your, your notebook ready. Get ready to receive what God has given him. Amen. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. It's always good to be able to gather together. Uh, this morning, we were, we were in a, uh, a passage last, last week in the, in the book of Luke. We were talking about um, just the process of right after we celebrate Christmas and the holiday season of that, um, how there's events that happen right after that that could be very helpful for us as we look forward into, into a new year. And this is the first Sunday of the new year, so it's very exciting um, to be able to be with, uh, with each other on the first Sunday. And so what I wanted to do for the very first one is I, I wanted to bring a message called Remember Lot's Wife. Uh, remember Lot's wife. This is um, something I was listening to a podcast uh, from uh, Iris Global called The Green Room. Um, their CEO, Will Hart, uh, ministers there, and he, uh, he hosts that podcast. And I was listening to him. He had a, a, a great guest on. His name was Larry Randolph. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that guy's name, but uh, Larry Randolph was um, a formidable prophetic figurehead uh, throughout. He grew up in the Jesus, Jesus movement. And uh, was used a lot through there. He did a lot of things in California. He did many things with Tim Clement um, and, and various people like that. He was friends with all the Vineyard guys, Wimber, Paul Kane, all those dudes. And um, he's now in the Nashville area pastoring, but he, had, uh, he, he was a guest on Will's podcast. And he was talking about this passage. And as he talked about it, I just started having things rolling through my head. And I was like, man, I need to talk about this. Uh, so this is, uh, this is kind of where it goes along beautifully kind of in the direction from where we were leading off at from last week and knowing that it's, uh, it's a lot of the character building that we need to have within the small moments of the unseen position. Because you remember there was a point from when Jesus was born all the way up until we see him at 12 years old that there's nothing that happened, but yet he grew in, in the grace of the Lord was on him. And then from that point when you see him in the, in the temple, speaking with those who are the leadership and going through all the, the, the great processes of being lost uh, as far as his parents were concerned. They were looking for him for days and trying to figure out what was going on. And people were astounded by his, his wisdom and his knowledge. And then it said right after that, at the very end of that passage, that he grew in wisdom, stature, and, uh, um, and, and favor with God and man. And so that position of growing in, in wisdom, stature, and favor um, is something that I feel like it's really important for us moving forward. And so what, what I wanted to bring up in this passage, uh, we're actually not going all the way back to the Old Testament at first. What we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to stay in the book of Luke, uh, the book of Luke chapter 17. We'll start in verse 20. Uh, it says this, Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that could be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. I'm going to read that, those two verses again. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, th so they're asking him an eschatological question, asking him about the end times, yeah, asking a very important question according to their, to their customs and their belief systems. This was very, 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 very important especially to the Pharisees, as far as when the kingdom of God would come. And so Jesus on, and you would think, 
you would think that whenever someone who is of the wisdom, the stature, the knowledge base of Christ, that he would lay out now a beautiful systematic theology of eschatology right here. That his dissertation would be made whole, made, made known to all who are around, especially the people who have known scripture. I mean, it, it excites me when I get around um, people who study very particularly in certain areas because I like to pick their brain about stuff because it means that they've dedicated a lot of time and, and, uh, and energy to knowing information about a specific topic. It, d- it doesn't have to just be theological. It could be within any kind of realm. You talk to someone who is an expert or who is very well-versed in a specific area of practice, it's fun to watch them operate and to listen to them walk through those things. I mean, I could not tell you half of what goes on inside of a tractor, but I know someone who can. <laughs> right? Uh, I, so you could go throughout different places and different times and different people groups, and you can ask them questions about things that they've been passionate about, things that they know intimately, and you would expect to get the great detail, but also the graciousness of knowing how to walk through every bit of the material that's, gonna, that's happening so that someone could know more about it. And so whenever they ask Jesus this question, you would think that it's like, all right, we're about to get the massive unfolding of every single thing that's to come. They're asking the expert, testing out the water, seeing what this Messiah, what this man is saying. And even though the the Pharisees were also uh, quite tricky characters in trying to trip up Christ, they're still asking the premier and the prime expert in all things. And so Jesus' reply was, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was in the same, it was the same in these days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day of the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord? They asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. There's another verse, uh, or another translation, NLT, it says, Jesus replied, just as the gathering of vultures shows, there is a carcass nearby. 
so these signs indicate that the end is near. Remember Lot's wife. Again, this is a question that they were asking as far as what was going to happen the end of days, what was going to happen at the eschaton, the, the, the finality, the, the culmination of all things. And, and Jesus replied, because their question was when the kingdom of God would come. Now, uh, here's something, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, so I'm going to back up a little bit. Here's something that, that we have to remember when we're reading scripture. Today, we think of these passages and these scriptures in light of also the future passages that were going to be written. As far as the book of the book of uh, the books from John, specifically Revelation, right? So we think of the end of days in light of the resurrection already have happened. Here, they are not aware of the resurrection happening. They're not even aware of the crucifixion that was going to happen. Specifically, the Pharisees. They were not aware of the persecution that Jesus was gonna was gonna undergo in the way that it unfolded. And they were not aware that Jesus was then was going to raise from the, from the grave. And so I, I just want to caution us as we go into, into Scripture and as specifically as we, as we look into these passages that we don't read too far into the future before we read the context of what's going on. I think this is really important for us. And so in reading through this, we can look and see that their understanding of the kingdom of God coming also meant that they wanted the Messiah to be in appearance. Pharisees were extremely skeptical of this man, Jesus Christ, being the actual Messiah. This Jesus of Nazareth being the Messiah. And so the way that they, that they looked at this is that they wanted to see when is it that we are going to be able to be called the great nation, the kingdom of God again, just as the, the days in David, when it was the kingdom that was set forth in motion, that it was God's king that was put into place and not Herod or not some kind of arbitrary leader from some other kind of governmental system coming in and ruling and reigning and oppressing us? When were we going to have this kingdom established again so we can live in the freedom that we wanted to? And Jesus' expression in here, again, goes against the grain of their understanding. His expression of what's getting ready to happen is he said that this kingdom, the kingdom, the coming of this kingdom of God is not something that could be observed It's not something that you're going to see with a, with, a, with a specific leader standing at the helm, standing at the, at the top of the kingdom, standing at the castle, barking down orders to, of what was going to happen next. Nor will people be able to say, here it is. Here is the kingdom. This is the kingdom right here. That thing, this place right there, bam. The king has been established now. The Messiah has now come up uh, top of the mountain. Boom, bam. Here it is. It's not going to be as easily defined as it was back in those days where we would have to, to rely on a king that you could visibly see and a kingdom that were contained to you in this one land. He says, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And so what I want to do is I want to take that idea and we're going to 
we're going to scroll down again back to the tail end of where we were just reading. Verse 30, it says, it will be just like this on the day this, that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. He brings up Sodom and Gomorrah, and I think it's so wild that he would bring up Sodom and Gomorrah in the midst of a question about the kingdom of God. Does that perplex anybody else here? Let's talk about the end of days. Let's talk about the kingdom that should be established. Jesus says, okay, cool. Let's talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. That's, that doesn't sound super encouraging to me to talk about a place that people were very well familiar with that story. We've all heard this as well, too, especially when it comes down to, to, to judgment being cast down on a specific evil group, right? A group of people. You can see this even in, in the political sphere whenever people talk about different ideologies that those have. They're like, well, if America doesn't get it right, Sodom and Gomorrah, is that we're going to be the next Sodom and Gomorrah. Bam, this is what's going to happen, right? This is a familiar story that we could see. And so talking about the end of days, the culmination of time, the, the coming of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus brings up Sodom and Gomorrah. Why is this? No one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for, every, for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Now, it's one thing to say, okay, there's, there's evil and there's wickedness. This is what happens when there's evil and wickedness is the destruction is imminent with the consequence of action. Yeah. And you can see that in anybody's life that this happens in, right? You pursue a path of evil and, and unrighteousness. And at some point in time, just like in uh, the book of James talks about this, so where uh, when you're tempted and enticed by your own lustful desires, it, it, it's like a seed that's planted in it and it grows and then gives birth to sin and then that sin leads to death, right? And this is scriptural. You can see this all throughout different times. So this is a consequence that happens in our life when we continually pursue after sin. But it is so weird that he continues on and says, remember Lot's wife. This is wild to me to look and to see what... Uh, He's talking about the kingdom of God and then brings up Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, I can see that. But then now, remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. If you remember the story and the way that it unfolded, whenever the angel of the Lord came down and, and got Lot and his family, said it is time to go. It's time to leave. So they start leaving. They start heading out. There wasn't a, uh, a, an ability for them to gather all things from their house and to, to make sure that they had everything prepared and ready. Let's go ahead and call Grateful Movers because we're going to, you know, we're going to head out of here. We need them to help us box some stuff up, and then we're going to ship it out, and here we go. Like the, that, that, was not, that was not the process that Lot went through with his, with, his, uh, with his family. The angel said, it's time. Let's go. And they said, okay. And so they took off. They took off 
and proceeded to go on, instructed not to go and to be familiar with that. And yet Lot's wife feared that and then turned into a pillar of salt. A reminder, a reminder for us that when the Lord tells us that we're supposed to be moving in directions, supposed to be doing something, whether if it's a land of, of destruction that's happening behind you, it's a different season that you're moving out of. Their season in Sodom and Gomorrah was through. The Lord had, uh, had more plans for them to continue on and to move on. The blessing of Abraham was also extending into their lineage for them to be able to continue on and to move. But, but yet, the desire to look back and to yearn for those things that were once behind can end up diminishing us in our ability to actually move forward. The kingdom of God is not just what you experienced back in these times. If you remember the process that Lot and Abraham went through when they, when they were negotiating land and property, they, they went ahead and chose their specific plots that they were going to go and inhabit, and, and Lot chose to be in the, in the place that he was at, and, and there was, I mean, they did well. They did well for themselves. They were able to, to capitalize, and they were able to grow as a, as a family, and they had, you know, wealth and things like that that they were able to, to be attributed, but the land that they were at was evil and wicked, and they were not able to continue um, as, as a people group because they were the only ones who were within the lineage of being able to be deemed as righteous in those times. And you even see in the response that, that as the angels came in and, uh, and, and was, was housed by, by Lot, that Good grief, these people were trying to come and perform all kinds of devious activity with these angels, these angelic figures. But still yet, Lot's wife turned and desired for the things that were behind. Even as the angel of the Lord, was, an angel was leading them out. Now it doesn't say that the angel was had appeared in its mass and, and you know huge glory it didn't say that it was you know of, of great shine and wonder or anything like that it could have been one of those moments that, that maybe they were entertaining angels unaware you know it, it doesn't specifically say that it was a winged angel going out everywhere and flying and leading them that direction but still yet being led out of a place that was supposed to be brought into destruction still looking back at those times. Now it doesn't mean that Jesus was being extremely specific here. At least from, from the way that I'm reading it, it doesn't seem like he's saying that everything is just going to explode. However, what he is leading us into, I believe, is the specificity of understanding his voice and his leading. That his kingdom is not in a specific location, if you can see. It's not something he just identified. But it is here. It's here. The kingdom is living. The king is sitting on the throne and he gifted us 
with a comforter, one who speaks with us and teaches us and trains us and gives us wonderful, marvelous gifts that we get to use, not so that we can have authority over people, but we can have authority over the things that bind people so that people can be set free, so that they can be brought into the kingdom of heaven free and delivered. We're never supposed to lord our, our own uh, capacities and abilities over people or individuals as superior people over others. The Holy Spirit's activity is so that we can show other people the love of God so that they can be loved the same way that we've been loved. And so in that process, it's, it's, it's not that we are, it's not that we are um, superior to people or inferior. It's that we're loving the same way that God is loving us. And so something that we can notice in this is that whenever Whenever the Lord speaks to us to walk through things and to migrate through things, that we need to listen to his voice and to obey his voice. And in obeying his voice, we don't look back and yearn for the things that were behind us. Since this is easy for us to do when we have a, a wonderful encounter with the Lord, is that sometimes we could yearn back for that same exact encounter. Whenever the Lord, I don't think, <laughs> I heard uh, there's a guy named, named Bob Jones, and he actually told told this to Larry Randolph. He said, he said, you think the Lord's a bad banker, don't you? Larry said, what? He said, you think that God is a bad banker? And then he walked away. <laughs> and Larry was like, I don't understand what you're talking about. He said five years later that he was able to fully catch the revelation of what that was. And that there are times that we think that the Lord is investing so much time and energy in us for so much time in our early years, many times, that we have experienced and encountered great, awesome things. We've seen things. We've, we've gone through things, and that's amazing, but we may not be seeing a payout in that investment right now. And so it gives us the, the appearance, or it gives us the, the false sense that God's a bad banker. He's a bad investor. He doesn't know when to pull out his investment whenever, whenever time's, time's ready to go. He actually invests even more so. And so many times we find ourselves like, like Lot's wife, turning around and yearning for what we had previously known, previously experienced, could have capitalized on, maybe even passed uh, things that we left behind in the wake of that as well. And we didn't have time to bring everything with us into this next season that the Lord was leading us into. We didn't, we didn't have the opportunity to do all the things that maybe we wanted to back there and so we yearn to still have a foot back, still say, well, can I have a, a dual citizenship? I get to do what you want me to, Lord, but I also go back and I get to fulfill my own desires from back in these days. When those days are gone, they're, they're great remembrances, but they're, they're also gone. And forward is the way that the Lord is setting us into and how easily it is for us to jump back into the, into the past because we're familiar with that. Easy for me. Easy for me to want to do that. The, the future is very unknown. There's lots of speculation. You can have lots of prophetic words that have been given, but still within any prophetic word that we get, we hear in part, we, we, uh, we see in part, we prophesy in part. These things are partial. We don't get the full revelation of every single thing that's going to unfold or happen. And so we may have breadcrumbs, but it still doesn't unfold the entire picture. 
So even though we do have breadcrumbs, a lot of times we'll, we'll tend to try to paint our own pictures and still it doesn't end up being the exact way that we try to imagine it to be. And so then we're led back into trusting the Lord. What does trusting the Lord look like for us in those moments then? Because then our expectation seems to be let down because what we thought it was going to look like didn't end up looking exactly like that. Maybe you've had to go through a lot harder circumstances in order to get to a place where you even feel like you're at the base of the, of the mountain. This is an easy thing for us to, to do is to look back. But Lot's wife ended up serving then as a monument of remembrance of what happens when you look back instead of being one that actually moves to the future with the next season. So 2024, this is a, it's a great year, right? This is a great year. Regardless of what's happening or what's, what's happening tomorrow or what will happen in the next days, it's a great year. It's a great year. It's a great year because the kingdom of heaven is here and it is coming. The kingdom now, the kingdom not yet. We haven't seen it completely uh, manifest itself, but we've also seen it here. But that doesn't mean it's in one specific location, easily attained and seen by all, because all have not come yet. All have not, have not seen the, the, the majestic things of the Lord. And so this is, this is the, the great thing that we get to encounter today, is that we get to move into a position and ask ourselves these questions. Lord, am I, am I sitting and am I yearning for the things behind me when you're asking me to move forward? The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that could be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Remember Lot's wife. Remember this time. Remember those experiences that have happened. That's, that's great, that's fine, that's dandy, but we cannot replicate those things that we've experienced. We can't replicate moves of God. We cannot be, we cannot have this, we cannot have Azusa Street today. Azusa Street was for Azusa Street. That was for that time. Praise God that it happened because it birthed and exploded a move and an awareness of the, of the charisms of the Holy Spirit and it gave us a wonderful encounter with being able to have grassroots people from all different types of of walks of life, experiencing the presence of God, regardless of, of education, regardless of, of skin color, regardless of, of any type of, 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 of religious backgrounds, regardless of anything that you could have experienced or encountered, the Lord would meet you there. He's great. But the Zuzu Street was, was different from the Jesus movement. Both great moves. They also had very different expressions that happened within their movements different things that were, that were um, honed in on, different things that were highlighted. There were also different struggles between those different moves. We don't need a replica of something else. We need what the Lord wants today. We need to move with what the Lord is doing today. And so I want to challenge us to really think about those things. 
I go back to Psalm 23 a lot, a lot, a lot. If the Lord is my shepherd, then I lack nothing. But if I have no desire for the Lord, or if I'm, de- if I'm having um, uh, varying contrasting desires of being led elsewhere than where the Lord is wanting to go, then that means that I'm living from a place of lack and feeling like where he's going to lead me is not going to be sufficient. And so where is the Lord leading me right now? What is he doing in me right now? What is he calling forth right now? And am I saying yes to it or am I having some heart reservations? Asking myself these things a lot, a lot, a lot, because this is important for us to know. I can't just be a follower of a person. I can't do that. I have to be someone who's led and, and understands the voice of God. No one else's voice is, is near as valuable or important as his voice is. And so whose voice is weighing in more in my life? And does that mean that I have a feeling of lack as far as the direction that the Lord is going to lead me into? And so these are things that I feel like we need to be aware of. And, and, and so what I want to do this morning is, is I want to partake of the Lord's Supper. Um, I had some other passages that I wanted to read, but I'll read a couple while we're getting while we're getting ready. Pastor Ken, who else is 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 in? Kevin Swan, awesome. Kevin, if you want to come down here, you don't have to worry about the about the slides. I'll, I'll go through a couple of these quickly as this is happening. Um, oh, my slide isn't full. Perfect. We're improvising. We've got some some mini red solo cups today because we didn't have any more communion cups. Um, so that was great. <laughs> Thanks for grabbing those, and thank you, Dave and Tara, for preparing those for us. That's very great. Um, in keeping in the in the theme of Luke, we look at Luke chapter eleven, and he, and Jesus goes through. He's finished speaking. A Pharisee invited him to eat with them, and so he went and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then he. And the Lord said to him, now then, you Pharisees, clean outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you because you are unmarked graves which people walk over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you (laughs) because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. You testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that have been shed since the beginning of the world. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. 
Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key, of, uh, the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have not hindered those, and you have hindered those who were entering. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something that he might say. I want us to ask ourselves this question this morning as we get ready to partake of the Lord's Supper. Do we find ourselves at times in a place of looking backwards? Looking into specific traditions or specific things that we have been familiarized with, things that we have just learned, yearned for or thought for, that this is what the Lord has to do? Are there things that we have been holding on to there when in reality I think that the Lord is still maybe pushing us into something new? The Lord doesn't change, but I sure hope that we do. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but we need to continuously be in a position of transformation. And I don't see anywhere where, where scripture says that we're supposed to be settled and comfort, comforted in just one position. I think that there's a transformation, and when transformation happens, there's friction. And when there's friction, there's growth. And when there's growth, then there's something new that comes from that same plant. It's not new. Trees are not a new thing, but the growth of a tree experiences new iterations. Every season, leaves fall. And, le and then the next season, the leaves will grow. Fruit will be produced, and then <coughs> fruit will be picked. In what season is the Lord leading us into, and are we just yearning for specific things that we've seen in the past? Or do we truly want to see transformation that the Lord is, is desiring from us today to move into this next season? In 2024, many people have different thought processes on how this is going to go. Different people have specific prophetic words they feel like the Lord has given them about this year. Some people have a little bit differing thoughts. There's all kinds of things that we can hear from people, but what is the Lord speaking to your heart about you? What is he speaking to me about me? Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And then he moved into ministry years later after that. Starting with 12 is whenever he said that from that point he grew. And then moved into ministry from that place. Are we growing in wisdom and stature? In favor, not just with God, not just with man, but with God and man. And if we're not, then what is it that the Lord wants to do inside of us so that we get to get to that place? That we can experience those things right now. So let's stand up as we, uh, as we get ready to, to grab all the elements. I want you to just take take just a few moments right now as we're as we're getting ready to grab these these elements and and, and walk through the the beautiful process of of communion. But I want you to, to contemplate right now. Think about these things and ask the Lord right here, right now. Lord, is there anything in me that I have been holding on to from past seasons that's not allowing me to progress and to move into future seasons? Is there anything right now that, that's, that I'm holding on to that's showing that I have lack right now in, in your ability to move me through in this next place? Just take a few moments right now.
Now, if you feel like the Lord has revealed something to you, I want you to just go ahead and, and offer that to him. Say, Lord, I, I don't want to hold on to these things. Help me to release. Give me the confidence to step forward. I want to follow after you. I don't want to be, be a memorial, but I want to be one who follows after you like a sheep. you've done that, you can come over to the front and grab some elements. Have some on, on either side. You can venture over to either side of that. One of the reasons why I had us really think of those things too and, and why I think it's awesome that we're able to partake of the elements this morning while also going through this story is because there's sometimes that we may not feel like we're walking in sin specifically as far as going through behaviors or things that we have we would deem as being in a past season. Like I no longer struggle with these thing, these specific areas in my life that I did before. Could it be specific addictions? It could be uh, uh, the way that you speak. It could be many different things that could have led you to the feeling of, okay, I don't have to worry about that thing having hold of me anymore because I, I see the freedom and not being a part of that. But again, sin is not just doing bad things. Sin is just missing the mark. 
could be as simple as just missing the mark. Did we miss the direction? Maybe you had a perfect pull. Maybe the way to, because remember, sin comes from the archery term. Maybe, maybe I had my, my, my bow correctly. Maybe I had just the most perfect posture. Everything was the way that it needed to be, but I was a few degrees off in the direction. And so I still, even though it was a perfect line, even though it went exactly where I was pointing, where I was pointing was not the exact direction that I needed to go. Still missed the mark. Are we listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Hitting that mark. Lining up exactly where he wants us to be. Our sights exactly where the target is supposed to be at. Then also our posture, our character in line with that. This is something that, again, I'm asking myself this a lot, is are there areas in my life that maybe I'm not doing this, the dumb stuff I was doing before? Praise the Lord. Give him praise for that. That's awesome. But it doesn't mean that I'm still doing things perfectly. And so what are the areas that I can still be tilted in a little bit more? Maybe I need to reposition my feet. Maybe I need to look in a specific direction that I wasn't looking before. Paul tells us that there's some of sometimes that we end up sick. And that sickness doesn't have to necessarily mean disease. It could just mean sick and ill in your mentality. It could be that you're unsettled. It could mean that there's a stirring inside, that there's an unsatiable process that you're like, I, I'm just... I'm, I'm conflicted much right now, and I don't know what the, what the reason of this is for, for me. What's going on? And there's a recalibration at times that needs to happen. We take, if we partake of, of these elements amiss at times. Truly remembering that what Christ did for us on the cross with his body and his blood was a beautiful thing. It was a torturous thing for him. It was a horrible thing for him. And if we're not listening to his voice and paying attention to what he's saying and, and following his leading, then, then at what point are we just going through the motions of saying that it was great that he did those things, but it wasn't great enough for me to change my trajectory when he asked me to? Who are we pleasing and appeasing today? And so take this cracker and I believe that this is that this process is more than just a memorial I think that there's something significant about this process there's something something deep that we get to partake in in doing so that nobody else on the planet earth who doesn't follow Jesus they don't get the same benefits of the remembrance of what happened on the cross they don't get the same access to the to the savior the healer the deliverer the one who sets us free the one who is truth we don't get the, they don't get the same access to him as we do as believers. And so it's a privilege for us to be able to do this. So as we take this cracker and remember that his body was broken, shattered, skin ripped apart and beaten horribly, that he did these things so that we could be made whole in our brokenness, in our fears, in our mis misgivings, our mishaps that he gave us access 
the true freedom. He gave us uh, access to healing. And so we thank the Lord for the salvation that he's provided for us. And that in his in the stripes and the brokenness that he has, you can have the recovery from those things. Let's partake of the cup. And as the bread brings, he's the bread of life. As the bread is, is hopeful and it gives us sustenance and nutrients and it, and it feeds us in that way. So too does the blood as the life source of an individual gives us life. And doesn't just give it to us, but it gives it to us abundantly. I love that in the early church, if you read through uh, Huso Gonzalez's work uh, called The Story of Christianity, he mentions that the early church didn't just sit and dwell upon the cross. When they partook of the elements, their celebratory nature was in the resurrection. So it's not the fact that his blood was spilt and he died, but it's the fact that their blood that is surging through his body right now is life. That he is life and he has given us life to where now we get to live life and not just live it, but live it in abundance. Not so that we can just boast about our great deeds or anything like that, but so that those, can, those people can look at us and they can give glory to God in heaven because of the life that he lives inside of us as well. And so we celebrate that the torturous nature that happened to Christ, the blood that was spilled was not the final story, but he rose from the grave victoriously, which means that we have healing and grace for us in our lives too. Let's partake of the cup. And so Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy. And we ask you, Lord, that as we move into this 2024 season, as we, as, we, as we push through the new year, as we start new ventures, as we walk into new places, Lord, that we would be aware of your voice and that we would not uh, squelch your voice. We would not quench the notion of, of the Holy Spirit inside of our lives, that we would listen intently and we would be moving in obedience in the middle of all those things. Lord, let us be people who are seeking and searching after your next move to, to know what you're calling and requiring of us. Not yearning for past or previous seasons, but knowing that if we are moving out of one season, it's because you're moving us into a next season that's going to benefit our lives as well. So we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. We worship you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. For those of you guys taking ministry school, don't forget to attend. <laughs>